The Money Podcast with your hosts, Justin Harrison and David Bester. Money, 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 money. Let's talk about money. Today, we chat with the co-founder of Dealers Online, South Africa's largest vehicle valuation software company. Dealers Online is a business-to-business software company that integrates with most dealerships across the country. To date, their revolutionary software has performed more than 2 million valuations with more than 300,000 disposals. Welcome to the Money Podcast, William Miller. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, yeah. Yes, of course, William, we have known each other for a long time. You're married to my sister, of course. So for people who don't know about you, can you sum up your career and the single best career lesson you have learned? Okay, that's actually an interesting one. Obviously started 30 years ago in the motor trade itself, where um, I was working in the dealerships. Started as a salesperson, worked my way up. Then got involved at a Mercedes-Benz dealership where they had to go the lifestyle center vibe and it was going to be just, I had just used cars and to find stock. So all I really did was fix my own problem by getting software that could handle the trade-ins as well as auctioning off the trade-ins that I didn't want to retail. So I looked for something online, actually. I downloaded my first version of my software from a Spanish online system. We tried our luck with that for a long time. And then I got involved with my business partner now, who is an IT guy. Mm. And he said, no, we can't do this anymore. Let's pull our own. And that's exactly what we did. So I think it was just... Yeah, fixing my own problems, and um, that's where we've grown, and it's 15 years old today. Let's go back to your childhood. What Mm. is your earliest memory of wanting to make money? What is your earliest memory of wealth? Well, that's funny. I mean, I was one of seven children, so there wasn't a lot of money lying around the house. Uh, We had to work hard for it. So as a youngster, I was delivering newspapers for, for a penny and a pound and a whatever. You just needed to go out and do it yourself. Otherwise, and as the youngest, I got all the hand-me-downs. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted anything that I wanted, not something that was going to be handed down to me, I actually had to go and make the money to buy it myself. Mm-hmm. So quickly at a young age, I think at 10, I was running around delivering newspapers. And in those days, you could walk around and do it without having any issues working Mm. in restaurants to get pocket money and i think one i had a very good friend that i don't know he that went from rags to riches this family and Mm. um, he invited me one year to go overseas with him and i'd never been on an airplane funny enough Um, and he said yeah we're going skiing in kidsville so i thought i don't have the cash (laughs) to even go don't worry i'll pay for your ticket just get pocket money and i can remember saying to my mom we didn't have money at that stage. I need to get pocket money. We're leaving in a couple of weeks. So then I had all these chores with, to do it. But I think that was when I realized there was life outside of South Africa and mm. really got excited about traveling mm. because mm. I did. I went to London. We stayed in London for, for a week. Then we went to Austria. Mm. And then we went to Munich. Then we went all over in this, on this trip. And then what was great is they invited me the next year again. So then this bug bit me, and we went skiing. I got offered a job there. Wow. So it was, yeah, that's my first sort of, like, this is well. Taste of a it. Different world. Yeah. Different nationalities. Yeah. It was amazing. And would you say it had a huge impact on massive, you? Massive, massive. So, I mean, I'm very different now. If I look at my family and my sisters and my brothers, yeah. to the way what I wanted okay. and what I wanted to do. And I said to myself, 
five years ago, I want to go overseas with my business. And that's what I push is because of this. So it's been amazing. It's amazing how your realities define you. Uh, mm. we, we often talk about, you know, Darwin and I are very passionate about travel. We've both traveled extensively. I've been to 77 countries. I think, Darwin, yeah. you've stopped counting as well. Yeah. Um, something that Darwin and I are very passionate about. You know, money's super important, but mm. the experiences are equally as important because, you know, having come from nothing and built ourselves from nothing, you have a you have this desire to acquire knowledge. Mm. And travel ultimately is a is an acquired knowledge. It's an acquired experience. Absolutely. So it's, you know, hearing you talk about how that had such a profound experience on you, I think it's so important in context of where we are as a country right mm. now. You know, people complain about this country a lot, but you need to travel outside of the country to realize that our problems aren't always what people think they are, right? No, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of problems on the other side as well. <laughs> exactly. It's not always greener because <laughs> it's more shit there, as they say. But um, yeah, I mean, my whole business is actually built to maximize money. Yeah. for whoever's selling the asset. That was why I built it. Yeah. And also to save them, because we're having these warehouses, they didn't have to have these mm. big places. And obviously to save them the commission on the sale mm. and get it out to as many people as, they, as we can mm. to get more out of it. I mean, our first pitch to our first corporate was pick and pay, I can remember wow. well. And they were financing their own vehicles had their own RVs set, and they weren't getting that value of mm. the trading when when, we, when I first went to speak to them. By giving them this platform on a national basis to show that trading to the rest of the trade, not just two or three people, mm. uh, was an amazing opportunity for them, and they could start getting more for them for their vehicles. So money is a big big thing, and then they could do better deals on the next exactly. RV. And, you know, again, coming back to what we often talk about is how money is such an important resource, whether mm. it's uh, in business or whether it's personal, you know. Mm. And I think sometimes people misalign the value of money and they attach their personal identity to money. And I think it's important to separate that as well because mm. money is a resource and that's what it is. It's like water out of a tap. We should manage it. We should yeah. effectively use it. And if used correctly, it's an incredible tool, right? No, absolutely. For sure. So look, when it comes to you personally, William, and money, what has been the biggest mistake you've done and what did you, what did you learn from it? Spend too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's what I want to know. Where did what, you spend what too much on? on what? <laughs> no, so I mean, you know what, you... you He's going to be very diplomatic because your sister's involved here. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you can become very materialistic and yeah. want comforts around mm. you. Um, so yes, I mean, I've spent a lot of money on property. And mm. I still do. So, I mean, we've, we bought a, a house that cost us too much and we've got to pay it off and love the interest rates right now. It's, it's, but we're comfortable. We, we love our home. We entertain a lot. So I wouldn't say it's the worst thing I've ever done because I don't, we don't go out and about anymore. Mm. We do travel when we can. Otherwise, we have a very comfortable home we can invite friends to. But I want, I want you to go back now because you're giving us a very stock standard answer. I want you to go back. Think back hard. One decision that you really regret, if you could undo it, is there any? I sold my one house when the shit really hit the fan when I got divorced, I sh okay. which I should have held on to. It would have been, and the interest rates went sky high. I got out of the property market for too long, and then to try to get back in is not easy. So then you buy, you buy a little apartment, which I did, and then bought another little apartment, which I didn't really want to live in, mm. but I needed to get back into the property market. Mm. So it took me a long time. And I, if I thought about it, my first apartment I ever bought, I was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. If I'd kept that, 
and then I bought a house which I had and I was actually getting a nice momentum going at a young age mm-hmm. and I gave that up when I got divorced I sold everything if you had to say to a youngster now looking back what is your lesson you'd take out of that you know I mean not everybody believes in property but I do and because mm-hmm. I've had a good thing but I, I definitely think you know be I mean, instead of running out, I mean, as a youngster, you go party, you're spending money on booze, you're going out every night with your friends, you're not in relationships, you can do what you like, is mm. actually save some of that and mm. actually put it into an asset instead of a flashy car, put it into something that's sustainable through the markets, mm. which I did and then I didn't. And such a, done such again. a pity we learn this too late in life though because mm. i think all of us have a similar story you know yeah. especially as entrepreneurs you make money you know somewhere in your life you make your first wins windfall and generally speaking it doesn't go where it should right yeah absolutely i mean there's one thing when i said it's a car and i bought a property when we first uh so car, uh, alex is 16 now so it's 16 she was eight months pregnant when we moved into the new house right and then when I started Dealers Online and I thought, okay, now I've got to take some risks. So we went three mm-hmm. years without, without it really taking off. And I thought I need to, to put some money into this business. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's not going to go any further. Mm-hmm. And I sold that house and we took that cash mm-hmm. and we put it into the business. Wow. So it was, but, but if I didn't have that asset to sell, what would I have done? For sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I say that that property is a good deal because it is a, it's growing normally. I don't mm. know about it at the moment, but mm. uh, it, it usually keeps up with inflation, mm, especially in Cape Town. Yeah, <laughs> Cape Town's been going well, very well. Yeah, and so, Balito, and Balito, yeah, of course. <laughs> so yeah, that, when we did that, I mean, I said to Karen, "Listen, I'm taking a massive risk here. Mm. We're going to sell our house. We're going to put it into into my business at that stage." She said, mm. "Go for it." Wow. Yeah. Now we've done something similar for her. So she's good at the at the at the races. She knows which horse to bet on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I bet on her too. She's we've <laughs> actually started a, a very similar business to mine okay. in the property industry now. Okay. Which is really starting to take off. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So ma- maybe one of these days we'll be talking to her. I think she should be talking to her now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so now tell me, talking about good bets, what mm. has been what has been the best decision you've ever made when it comes to money? I think it's to sell my house and put the money into the business that I was really passionate about and knew that we could make a difference. Because at the end of the day, this business was very transactional. So mm-hmm. when our clients sell something, mm-hmm. we make money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about them paying exorbitant fees every month to use software. Mm. So it did bite me a few times, especially when there's no assets, then the transactional doesn't work. Mm. But mm. it's a mm. it's a partnership with your, your client. When they win, we win. Um, and if we sell it for the most, we get a percentage of that sale. Mm. So we want to make sure that they are getting the most for their assets at any given time. Mm. And I think that's, yeah, that was my win. And that's why our clients... They stick around because they know we're in, in it to win it with them. And, and would you say that that was an intuitive decision or was that something you had to really think about? No, it just it is, I suppose it's my personality as well. I don't like ripping people off. So, you know, you do, you do what's good for them and, it, and at the same time it's good for you. Yeah. So look, you, you talked about selling your house um, in the early days and then you took the money, put it in the business, which mm. obviously worked out great for you, right? But at that, at that specific time, it was a big risk for you, right? So something must have motivated you. So I want to know, what is the thing that motivates you? Because 
it obviously can't just be money because um, it's actually well, not funny yeah. enough. it's not money um, it was actually seeing what a difference we could make and fighting for fair markets and that's what it is it's a marketplace mm. that is fair for everyone mm. and we that's what we've created so it everyone that that wants to buy trade-ins can now log in and see everyone's trade-ins mm. it's not just the relationships you have with certain people so mm. Mm. and that mm. was what i was trying to get rid of in the trade um, there was these little brown envelopes that mm. if you paid me a little bit you know on the side you could have my assets i had phone calls initially from all over the country saying geez we've been trying to buy assets there for so long i'm so happy that now i can get the ability to to log into somewhere and actually if i pay the most i'll get it and that's pretty much what we've done yeah and i mean you guys you're basically integrated with almost all the dealerships right yeah i mean everyone that's looking for stock wants to be on the platform yeah. so they don't all sell and that's it. everyone at the moment yeah <laughs> No, if we could get stock. So, I mean, we started B2B in the dealer space and then we thought, where else can I go and get some assets? So we went to the corporates direct, mm -hmm. then we went to the rental companies, the mm -hmm. finance companies, the fleet companies. So imagine one dealer looking for stock. He has to have relationships with all those people. Mm -hmm. We are that relationship now. He just comes yeah. to the one place mm -hmm. and he can, he can pick and choose what he wants and buy it, make a margin, so it's money again. At the moment, because of what's happened in the trade and the lack of stock, they've paid too much money mm, for mm, their assets. Mm. So now they're sitting with vehicles at the wrong price. Yep. Now it's to make that call. Are we gonna try and retail our way out of this or yep. can we sell it back to the trade again? So that's, you know, we've got a lot of data now so we can actually help them make those decisions. Mm. Uh, we watch it every day and we see we're down 11% in three months on what the trade was. Wow. Yeah. So, Davi, something that's super interesting, you know, just going back to the start of this conversation, we talk about how necessity is the mother of all invention, and this is one of the reasons we love entrepreneurship so, so much. We talk about how entrepreneurship is the thing that's going to change the world. You know, we talk about this is why entrepreneurship is the thing that moves the needle. It's not, yeah. it's not government. Governance certainly is an important part of society. Governance, which is dearly lacking in this country at the moment. But I think it's important to understand that all good ideas come out of necessity. And you go back to what you were saying, you know, when you started, mm. this idea came from the fact that you desperately wanted a solution that could give you access. And this is, this is where it came from. And I think the other thing that's important to point out, you know, not to, to reiterate too, too much, but every single interview that we've had, when we've asked people about the concept of making money and if that's the sole importance of, of the business, it's always come back to something else. You know, it's never been about the money. It's been about helping people, helping communities. It's been about equalizing the marketplace, making a, fair, making a fairer marketplace, solving problems. And isn't this a beautiful thing about entrepreneurship mm. that I think often gets missed in the political messaging today? Entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship is often put into the segment as greed. It's put into the segment of they're just there to make money. I don't agree with that. I think there's so much creativity and invention in the entrepreneur space that entrepreneurs, I think, deserve a lot more credit than they're getting. No, I agree totally. And I mean, that's exactly that. People say, oh, you make some money. We make that on, by accident in a way. Cause yeah. We, yeah, it's a byproduct, it right? It is, completely. And I mean, it is. And it's a percentage of what our clients are making. It's yeah. not... Yeah. yeah, we're not running out to just take them 
the whole time. I mean, we've built software which they license from us to make money mm. for themselves. We don't govern that at all. Mm. And they, they're all using it. So it's, it's been great. It's been good to see. I mean, money's the way we measure things. But I mean, ultimately, building shit is fun. Mm. You know, with all the hardship, building shit is fun. You know, and I think every entrepreneur can resonate with that. And that's the funny part is we get all our ideas from our clients. Really? Yeah, it's not, I mean, we come up with a few of our own, but I mean, it's this, we've got this rule. If two clients ask for the same thing, we build it. Okay. Because then you know there's hundreds and hundreds of others that are out there that, are, that, <laughs> that have got the same thing. Yeah, I mean, but, that, but that's how you solve problems at the end of the day, you know. I remember going to my dentist once and he, and he told me, listen here, there's one brand of toothpaste. I won't mention the name. But they will always do well because when their reps come here, I know exactly who it is because they always ask us, what are the clients, what do the clients want? What yeah. are they complaining? Yeah. What is their pain points when it comes to um, the specific toothpaste? Obviously, I can say it's Colgate because all of us know <laughs> who it is, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically just listening to your clients, you know, and finding out what the problems are and how you can fix it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that's all we do now. I mean, we went to like the OEM, for instance, the manufacturers, and we thought, okay, they, this big monster of a business. They can't have any problems. Um, they were still on Excel spreadsheets, sending Excel spreadsheets to all their dealers for wow. stock to sell. Okay. I mean, it was crazy when we first started. And we thought, well, if, if that's like one is doing it, what's the next one? Yeah, yeah. We went from one to the next. They might have different brands, but they've all got the same problems. And yeah, fixing it once, you can fix it a million times. So we Beautiful. build software now for one client, and then we just go and sell it to everyone else. Beautiful. Um, so we're busy with one now at the moment. Everyone's complaining about their CRM and their lead management system. So we tackled it. We took one client, used them as an anchor tenant and said, okay, come, let's fix this thing for once. I love it. So 24 months of actual pain and unpacking and now we're building, building the product. The first iteration goes in at the end of the month. So holding thumbs. So Good talking life. about pain <laughs> and talking about suffering, which I think every entrepreneur can uh, relate to, mm. and especially those early days of starting anything, mm. right? Those, uh, we like to call it the sweat and bleed days sure. because it's, uh, it's a hard journey. What motivates you? So, you know, funny, um, when I first started, I thought, oh, this is going to be nice. I'll be sitting anywhere I want behind my computer <laughs> and um, it'll just be me. <laughs> I don't need staff and anything. This is going to be fantastic. Mm. But then you quickly realize that uh, you go to the f first client, and, I mean, like a, the first bank that I went to, mm. I sold them this whole software thing and they said, yeah, it's only one problem. You need to store the vehicles for me as well. And I was like, so mm. there goes my idea of working from home or on the beach or... So now what now? So they said, okay, we'll give you the business, which was already their, their, their own asset remarketing vision of their own. But they said, yeah, this is a much better idea because there's a bigger reach mm. online. But you need warehousing. Mm. So I'm like, hmm, okay. So guess what? I went and got warehousing. But then your cost suddenly rises. Mm. So we started Western Cape and then obviously Joburg. And then obviously we needed to be national. So you, this at risk, you'd like... You know, I could stay the small little software business just with the dealer to dealer, mm. or I could make this a marketplace that everyone wants to use. Mm. But then that was that risk and mm. signing leases and taking more risk and more risk. So, you know, this establishment that we're sitting in at the moment can store 2,000 vehicles. So, and then in Joburg, I needed one double that size. So, yeah, that's the risk and the decisions you make along the way. But yes, sweat and tears. Am I doing the right thing? 
So what keeps you going? Uh, the next exciting journey, I think, because this, the, the motor trade is not just buying and selling cars. It's everything that goes around it. So there's insurance, there's the communication from a, a buyer and a seller, the dealer to the, that whole integrated system. So, I mean, we, we've only just scratching the surface now with what we're building, mm-hmm. but there's so much more mm-hmm. and so much more coming. And I mean, it's been interesting to see that the property industries, even though there's much bigger numbers there, is so much far behind the motor mm-hmm. industry. So, yes, I mean, now we're seeing what we've done here in South Africa and taking it to a country like the UAE. Mm-hmm. And they haven't had much you know, used car business Mm. there and now to start it there and taking what we've learned here over the last 15 years and showing them that they can do it in two years yep and then also we travel to the u.s to go and find new ideas and new fancy ways of doing things only to find out that we're doing it already i was just going to say you know something that a lot of people don't realize is that we have some of the most innovative ideas here and you know, you only get this when you travel mm. extensively. Um, Darwin, I sat in banks in London, mm. and you know, they've told us, you know, we have these policies here that you have to adhere to when you want to do business here. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we've had that for the last eleven years. Well, this is it. And it's mind-bending to them. They thought, oh, but aren't you like a third-world country? Same thing in the states when mm. we first started businesses there. You know, to do an, uh, what we call a EFT, they call it a wire transfer there. You have to physically go into the bank to initiate. I mean, this is yeah. mind-bending, right? We forget sometimes that even though we're on the tip of Africa here, there's a lot of innovation happening here. Exactly. And I mean, we can take a lot of that to the UAE, for instance. I Absolutely. Mean, they still work with checks, by the way. It's, it's mad, right? <laughs> but you don't want to write one that bounces there. Sure, no, you don't. Because <laughs> you will bounce. Yeah, so that, that was the most interesting side. And I mean, there's, yeah. there's, because the year is, well, Dubai specifically has got so many expats. Yeah. They come for a period and then they leave. Yeah. And they have to sell their car at the last minute. Mm. There's no EFTing for that car. Mm. You have to go and bank the check. Crazy, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, where wow. these people been? <laughs> It's crazy. Mm. No, it's crazy. And you know, the, the thing, we, I mean, we're super passionate about it. We were talking about this dollar yes. symbol on our shirts. We, we, the reason why that dollar symbol is there is we, it's an affirmation. We want South Africans to start thinking about becoming a net exporter of things, whether mm. it's, you know, ideas, whether it's uh, creating products, because it makes no sense to us that South Africans are fighting each other over rands on the small piece of land. We need to become a producer of things. Yeah. And so it is beautiful for us to see businesses thinking globally mm. at least testing the waters internationally and i think it's important south africa needs to go back on the map internationally we've got incredible talent here and we've got people with real chutzpah as they say yeah. uh, and our best export in my humble opinion is the people it's 100 percent, and i mean that's why i mean you look at dubai uae mm. kuwait it's a lot of south african expats i mean yeah. we didn't market our product in the beginning we had somebody put up their hand there and wow. say hang on there's nothing here. Please, can you come and help wow. us? So I got on the plane and I went to Kuwait. Interesting place, I must tell you. No alcohol at all. Um, <laughs> and 50 degrees in the you guys, you guys, You guys from the Cape must suffer with no alcohol. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so we got there and we realized that, hang on, there is such an opportunity here. Yeah. There's nothing. So, I mean, that was one individual. So we've, wow. we've now got eight, eight OEMs that, look up, that work on our platform in Kuwait. Wow. And then now Qatar is on... We've just started there. Okay. We've got, and that exchange rate is 
fantastic result. <laughs> um, so if you're earning, you're earning those currencies, mm. including dollars, mm. um, it makes it a lot easier for us. Because I mean, if you if you convert, if you bring it back, yeah, it's mm. actually, um, yeah, it's it's good revenue. And makes the, the interest rates seem a little less. Uh, yeah, challenging. So as I said, the, the, the in Kuwait that's fifty-six to one. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So it's been great. So William, I want to know in your own personal journey and your observation of others, what would you say is the number one skill set a person needs to have in order to make money? Balls. <laughs> no, I, I think it. I, I think it. you actually just need to know that you can. You need, especially entrepreneurs, is take the risks. Because if you're in corporate, like I was for a long time, and you're, mm-hmm. just, you're earning money for other people, you're making decisions for, for them and their business. Mm-hmm. But when you actually start making decisions and taking the risks for yourself, and you put everything on it, mm-hmm. but you do need to have, either you're gonna be stupid or balls, one of the two. So mm-hmm. you, you make those decisions, go and do it, and feel it, and, and you're gonna, trip and fall and you're going to get up and you're going to trip and fall and you're going to get up mm. just, just keep, keep going going and that's what we you know Ronald and I we laugh now but we we had a few sleepless nights it was it no, came a, with it's, it it's a tough journey being an entrepreneur it is and you know that you've you know put your whole everything at risk especially when I did with the house mm. and mm. you're going to rent something now and you had a house and you it wasn't great but it's paid off in the end yeah. yeah yeah so i mean that's those the risks you well, as i say the bigger the risk the sweeter the reward right exactly exactly we started looking in the uae five years ago okay we took the plunge again two years ago i said mm. okay let's do this thing now properly mm. and i sent my head of corporate over there he lives there now mm-hmm. and and i said to him okay let's look at it now paying in rands from here to start that business also was like quite risky and it's now profitable business in less than 24 months wow once again either you're stupid or you've got balls you have to do it now it's just opened up you know, the rest of the world for us. yeah yeah we we're strongly looking at taking the software over there and running the business from there actually. okay so a little bit off topic but how do you feel about the african market as a whole it's a great opportunity great opportunity and especially if you think about the vehicles like in the UAE that used to go to Syria, Iraq, Iran and with all the issues that have happened around there is to bring those vehicles to Africa mm. obviously left and right territories but those vehicles are coming here mm. it's just not a proper mechanism for it to happen yeah. so that's something we're looking at at the moment is okay. to export those vehicles this way because you can with the marketplace mm. the guys are sitting here they have to fly there they've got a pack of credit cards like this that mm. they go and pay for the vehicles because mm. mm. of the exchange rules and regulations that's our next move so William let's assume th- something goes horribly wrong um, you lose every single thing what would you do to start generating money again you know because I know this trade pretty well and, I, and it isn't too difficult to to make a buck in the motor trade. So yes, if I lose everything again, I will, it's buying and selling is still uh, you know, something you can do as long as you know what margins there are to be made. I'm busy with another little startup that we started now. We were always B2B. Mm. This is C2B, so yeah. it's carfling. It's, uh, it's bringing the consumer's vehicles into the dealerships. 
there's buying services right now and I think you, we all know what the biggest one is yeah. I don't even have to mention their name but they get they retain the margin the consumer's not getting the full amount for it and the dealer's paying more than he should because there's these in-between guys mm. and our whole business was about cutting out the wholesaler to be honest yes mm. we it's straight from from one dealer to the other dealer there's no middle man as such we're doing that now for the consumer it's trial and error and yeah. I'm, we're treating it as a proper little startup okay it's, um we opened this little innovation hub um with youngsters with ideas we throw it in there first we actually test it mm. before we build anything in these days. Because in the old days, <laughs> it used to be, oh, I woke up thinking this. Straight from Let's mind, build it. straight from mind to uh, execution. Mm. So now yeah. we go and play, test, mm. yeah. iterate, reiterate. Sounds very familiar. Eh? Yeah, mm. and it's great. I mean, it's, and also because I'm not the youngest in the in the business anymore. So mm. it's like I, you know, what they bring me us new ideas, new tech. Mm. I mean, what social media do they like? Instagram. Okay, we should be on Instagram. A whole lot of things that I don't use that my kids are using. Mm. Um, be real. I don't know if you've seen that now yep. lately. Yep. Suddenly, we'd be sitting in a restaurant and, and, and Alex will go, be real. And then she's taking photos of us all. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's a different world, right? Yes, but it's but it's, it's beautiful. It I, is, and you know, I often you know it's a discussion we often have around the dinner table. We mm. we talk about the advent of social media and the impact on families, and you know, I think this comes back to our discussions around money. We say anything is a tool and it's a resource. It's mm. how it's managed that makes a difference, and I think it's important that like anything in life, you've got to bring it back to the head of the household. Yeah. If you've got a strong head of the household who has very clear direction on, on the way things are managed, then everything is fine. You know, money is managed well, social media is managed well. And I think this is a problem in the country that we see, especially a lot of people are complaining about the state of the country, but their own homes aren't in order. Yeah. You know, people are running their finances badly, running their homes badly. And yet they're the first to complain about the state of the country. Yeah, 100%. What would be your number one piece of financial advice to your kids or to any youngster out there? Number one piece of financial advice. So start young. Don't spend all your money. I mean, they, they get their little pocket money now. and I can, They don't rush out and spend, mm. which is good. And I think it's taken us a while to get them there mm. because they didn't. They thought money grew, grew on trees. Mm. But, you know, it's having their own money and managing their own money. I mean, my son is absolutely amazing. He turns every penny around. He's earning his own money now okay. and he's putting it away. I was like, you put 25% of your salary away. How the hell do you do that? That's amazing. But he does. Wow. And he's, he's saving for this and he's saving for that. And it's, it's amazing to see, actually. Yeah. So listen, William, we obviously live in tough times in South Africa. There's a lot of stuff going on. We've got load shedding. We've got interest rates going up. You know, Can you give South Africans some final words of inspiration? At the moment, I, I must say it's, it's affected us all in this, especially the load shedding. But mm. I mean, it's not only South Africa. There's load yeah. shedding everywhere in the world. We just don't hear about it as much because we hear. Even Australia has load shedding. Absolutely. In the UK. I mean, I mean, they've got these small little interest rates and that goes up by 0.75. And they like, we've gone up to 25%. Serious, serious pain. Yeah, but it doesn't stay there. And, it's, and it is, it, it's, I mean, try and get rid of the debt. Yep. And that's one thing exactly. you try and do. But yes, I mean, we all have to watch our pennies right now. So you make it work. 
Well, William, thank you very much. It was an awesome podcast. Great having you on our show. And you guys obviously have a lot of things going on at the moment. You're expanding to different, um, not only in different countries, but also different projects. So all the best and good luck with all your business endeavors. Thanks so much, guys. It was good to be on. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Money Podcast. To get access to our future episodes, please subscribe to our podcast via your podcast app. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel, Global Money Academy.